I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. I'm not gonna sit here and debate. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Red Glare Podcast. My name is Daniel Fritch. I am your host. The Red Glare is a Houston Texans podcast. It's a Houston Rockets podcast. And for a moment or two, it'll be an Astros podcast because the Houston Astros won their second World Series last night. Framber Valdez went six really solid, really solid innings, giving up one run, uh, paving the way for a Jordan Alvarez three-run moonshot to center field iconic Houston sports moment, his second such moment of these playoffs. If you recall, in the ALDS, he had that three-run bomb in the ninth inning um, that was just uh, just incredible. And to have two of those moments in the same postseason, Jordan has uh, sort of etched himself into Houston sports history Um, Even if he does nothing else, right? Like, even if his career were to end, essentially, right now, we would always have the 2022 World Series and the 2022 postseason and Jordan Alvarez. And the role he played this year was incredible. Now, he wasn't the most consistent batter. He wasn't the most reliable. But, man alive, you're not going to find more impactful, memorable um, iconic is really the right word. Iconic moments that he delivered in this postseason. Now, Valdez going six innings, effortlessly sort of dominating the Phillies, as he sort of did in Game 2, was incredible. As a baseball fan, as an Astros fan, I can't remember ever feeling so confident in our pitching staff. Like, we had good years that I can remember. Like, I remember when Clemens and Pettit were here, of course, and even back to, like, Shane Reynolds and Mike Hampton, those guys. But it always felt to me like uh, if a starter got in trouble in the past with the Astros, it's like, work through it, work through it, good Lord, work through it, if you're in the fourth inning, say, or the third inning. Because we could get to Billy Wagner, we could get to Brad Lidge, but to get to those guys, man alive, you got to get us at least six solid innings. And it didn't feel that way with this year's team. It felt like hey, you get in trouble, we want Dusty to pull you immediately. Like, when he left Verlander in, it was a game one, it was a mistake. And when he left McCullers in, it was a mistake. Because you have Urquidy, you have Garcia, you have so many arms there just sort of hanging out that we weren't even able to use. And that is a very unique thing. And even thinking, like, we're going to lose our ace, potentially, Verlander in free agency. Like, that would be a sky-falling scenario almost any other year for any other team. But we would just, to my mind, adjust, move forward, and I would still feel like next year our pitching staff would be our strength, which is crazy, crazy to think about. Like, just, yeah, Verlander, good luck to you wherever you continue your career. Uh, We're going to be fine. That's insane. That's an insane thing to say. So you have Verlander, you have Yuli, you have Michael Brantley, you have Maldonado and Vasquez, all free agents. So it will be interesting to see who's coming back, who's entering the fold. If if Jim Crane and company, you know, I think I'm not sure they're going to extend the general manager, which is a little strange. So they need to figure that out and fast and then figure out, hey, are we going to up our payroll? What are we going to do? We're, you have Verlander's money coming off the books. That's a big chunk, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how the, how the next few months play out. 
But man, what a series, what a night, a lot of fun. And let me say this. I'm not necessarily advocating that they pursue Aaron Judge in free agency. Or let me let me put it this way. I'm not advocating that they sign Aaron Judge, but they absolutely should pursue him just to drive Yankees fans crazy. Like, just imagine the thought. If you're a Yankees fan, you just got swept by the Astros. And, and you also, you're a Yankees fan, so you have a sort of inflated sense of self, right? You think the Yankees are great. They should be great. Um, they just have to figure things out, and your expectations for them next year is to be great. Imagine thinking that Aaron Judge is just going to sign with the Astros, the team that just swept you out of the playoffs. That would be just a wonderful, wonderful thought to plant in Yankee fans' heads. So I hope that we will at least kick the tires on Aaron Judge, even if he uses us as a negotiating tactic, right? Like, Yankees, I might sign with the Astros, better open up the checkbook. Even doing that would be a lot of fun. Um, so this, this week's episode is going to be a little bit strange in that if you've ever watched an old sitcom, they'll do like clip shows where they show clips of older episodes. And the reason being is I spent a lot of time watching the Astros in the last week. And so I had the Texans game on when the Astros were playing. I had the Rockets game on last night when the Astros were playing, but it's hard to give it your full attention or really any attention when you're fully invested in a baseball game as I was. So I watched Davis Mills do fair. He was fine in the first half of that game, and then he was bad in the second half of that game. And I do, I am coming around a little bit on, I I can't hang it all on Davis Mills because I'm not sure how much help he's getting from Pep Hamilton's scheme. I'm not sure... Uh, like, imagine a quarterback that you know is good, like a good quarterback. Like, close your eyes. Who, who is that? That's Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's Tom Brady. It's Patrick Mahomes, right? So we have Aaron Rodgers right now, this year, in Green Bay, struggling, struggling mightily. And part of the reason he's struggling, I think, is his receiver core. He doesn't have chemistry with them. They're not the most talented bunch of receivers, a lot of young guys that don't uh, necessarily, (laughs) they're just not good, right? They're not good at this stage of their career, and Aaron Rodgers is struggling. You look at Tom Brady, now Brady's got a lot of stuff going on in his personal life, he's he's an old man, (laughs) for God's sake, but he looks bad out there, and so a lot of quarterbacks look bad this year. Matt Ryan got benched. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I can't say, man, Davis Mills is horrible and it's Davis Mills' fault. I won't say that. But will I, but what I will say is that I don't see greatness with Davis Mills. I see moments of very goodness. Uh, he had a touchdown pass where he's rolling to the right, um, to his right uh, against the Eagles that looked excellent. It was an excellent pass. But... Man, that's that they're too far and few, few and far between those moments for my taste. And I think if the Texans end up with that first overall pick, which there's still a long way to go, but the Detroit Lions beat Aaron Rodgers today, and Detroit was, you know, one in six or one in seven, but going into that game, they had the first overall pick before they beat the Packers, and now the Texans have it. So if the Texans lose out, they control their own destiny. Um, they lose out, they get that first overall pick. 
Now, I kind of expected Nick Casario to be more active at the trade deadline for that reason. Like, trade Jerry Hughes. Trade anything that's not nailed down contractually. Like, that's what I expected. Any veterans that he could get a a late-round draft pick for, I expected us to get rid of them. And he didn't do that. We didn't make any moves at the trade deadline at all. In fact, Brandon Cooks, uh, we, we couldn't find a taker for him. So I was a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say miffed, but puzzled that we didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. And we will see what this team can do down the stretch. We still have some games against the Jacksonvilles of the world. So there are some potential wins on the schedule. Uh, but now I think if you're a Texans fan, you're, I hate to say rooting for losses because that's such a strange thing to do, but you're not rooting for wins. I think wins are counterproductive at this point. Um, and we'll have more on the Texans as we move forward. Uh, my next episode will return to form in terms of Texans and Rockets talk. So I apologize that I, I don't have much on that front this week. But what I'm going to do is a clip show, like an old sitcom, where I'm going to re- replay the calls that I've taken to date on this podcast. I, I We've done 14 episodes, I believe. And some of those episodes, I take callers, and I've, I've found them to be a lot of fun. And I'm I'm really happy with those episodes. I really think they've worked out really well. And so I'm going to group all of those calls here at the end of this episode in case you haven't heard them or you want to relive them for some reason. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in. So I'll be back soon with more Texans and Rockets coverage. And in the meantime, man, what an awesome, awesome Astros season, postseason, a lot of fun. And uh, maybe if this podcast continues, um, we sort of extend into the into the baseball realm uh, more next season. But anyway, I'm going to go to the callers that we've taken on this show, and I appreciate you tuning in, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. All right, so I wanted to try something a little bit different. I used to have, well, I've had several jobs inside Houston, downtown Houston, and, and inside the loop and I would find myself in the uh, on 290 or on I-10 at the end of the day and what really made that a lot better that experience of sitting in traffic was guys like Charlie Palillo and talk radio and taking callers and holding court and I thought I have a radio show of sorts now let's take some calls so let's head to the phones caller thank you for calling into the red glare hello is this 610 no, sir. You're speaking to Daniel at the Red Glare Podcast. It's like a radio show, but it's on the internet. Okay, well, listen. Why are we rolling out David Mills when we have a perfectly good quarterback sitting at home? A proven winner. What quarterback are you referring to? Vince Young! Vince Young is a winner. I know he's past his prime or whatever, but listen, Vince's skills were not based on his athleticism. They were not based on his ability to read a defense or whatever you nerds are into. Vince's abilities were purely that he was a winner. Is David Mills a winner? I don't think so. Listen, I'm not saying bring Vince Young in and give him the job, but let him compete for the job. Is David Mills afraid of a little competition? Why? 
We, we don't think David Mills, if you're so confident in David Mills, could he not beat Vince Young out in the co- Why are they afraid of the competition? I'll hang up and listen. Uh, well, I don't think they would be afraid of the competition. I appreciate the call, first, first and foremost. Thank you for calling in and becoming the, the first ever caller here on the Red Glare Podcast. I don't think Davis Mills would be afraid of the competition per se, but Vince Young is... He's got to be near 40 years old. I'm, I'm not even sure what he's up to these days. Uh, I do appreciate the call. Let's go back to the phones. We are talking to someone from Houston. Uh, hello. Welcome to the Red Glare. Yes, hello. I just wanted to say I've been really appreciating your show. Um, it is so nice to tune into a show about the Texans and have it be so positive. Well, hey, I appreciate that. You know, I'm not setting out to be negative or positive. I'm just sort of trying to give my uh, honest opinions here. You mentioned it's unusual to have a positive show. What kind of negativity are you talking about? Oh, you know, it's just like when people talk about the Texans and they want to bring up Jack East to be, you know, the... Uh, executive vice president of football operations who doesn't have really anything to do with the team's, uh, you know, uh, negative aspects. But, you know, people want to talk about things like since Jack Easterby got his job in January of 2020, that the Texans' record has been 8-25 and 25 over that span. But what I find is that people don't talk about our hated rivals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, winning only four games over that same span. So no one talks about how Jack Easterby's Texans have dominated our hated rivals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, for two straight years. Eight wins to four. No one's talking about eight wins to four. Where I, where I come from, eight wins is better than four wins. Why? Why aren't we talking about it? No one talks about it. No one. Okay, well, I appreciate the call. I will continue to do a positive show here on the Texans and the Rockets. Uh, We have not spent a ton of time on Jack Easterby to date. Um, We'll see if that continues in the future. Let's go to the phones, and we'll see uh, if our callers agree with my take here today. Um, I've got a caller here in Houston. Go ahead. Well, hello, Daniel. Now, I agree with your analysis, although it is uh, a little bit lacking in terms of you you haven't brought up Vince Young one time. Um, And I'll tell you, I I called in, and I'm not the I told you so type, but I did call in last week, and I told you David Mills is not a winner. And uh, sure enough, it was the opportunity to win this game. He couldn't do it. But, Daniel, I'm going to cut David Mills some slack, and and the reason I will, I'm going to tell you, it's because... Somebody decided they were going to wear their battle white jerseys today. The Liberty White. Yeah, they they wore the battle whites. And you know what team normally wears battle white? The Indianapolis Colts wear battle white. And I think David Mills was watching tape. And then as the game goes on, he's getting tired. And then he's looking out there and he's like, is that a a Texan in in battle white or is that a uh, Indianapolis Colt? I just got to throw it out of bounds. And so... I understand. He was confused by the battle whites. And so, I, you know, Daniel, in, in my life, I've walked into a sliding glass door on more than one occasion because I thought it was open. And I would uh, break my nose. I'd split my lip. I hurt my knee real good one time. 
And it's essentially the same thing. Davis Mills was just walking into the sliding glass door of the Indianapolis Colts defense. And a lot of that isn't his fault. He didn't choose to wear the battle whites. And so, of course, Vince Young wouldn't have made that mistake. But I can't put it all at the hands of, at the feet of David Mills. Uh, so I'll hang up and listen. Well, thank you. I, I, it's impossible to know how much the Liberty White jerseys played a role in the tie today. But, um, hey, it's an interesting take. And, and, again, I appreciate the call for sure. I appreciate you listening. appreciate the call. I think we have time for one more caller today, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I've got another someone else here in Houston. Yes, hello! You know, I really appreciate your, your episode today. You know, you talked a lot about uh, Damian Pierce and how we didn't give him the ball and um but you didn't uh you didn't spend a lot of time on jack easterby and i really appreciate that it's just such a positive show and it's so enjoyable to listen to um and i wanted to say i did tune in to the jacksonville jaguars game today and it uh they did not come away with the w so from where i'm sitting the houston texans since jack easterby took over jack easterby's houston texans still eight wins Jacksonville Jaguars over that same time frame, four wins. Jack Easterby, you can set your watch to it. We are dominating. We are dominating the Jacksonville Jaguars, our hated Ralph. Now, when you start talking about Mount Rushmore's of Houston sports, you get into your Jeff Bagwells and you get into your Hakeem Olajuwon's and you get into your Earl Campbell's. But I think you got to start getting into your Jack Easterby's. I really do think that. Eight wins to four. Eight wins to four. See you next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Jack Easterby's Texans still dominating. Eight wins to four over the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. We're going to go back to the phones here. We went to the phones on a few episodes in the past. I got a lot of positive feedback from those segments. I got some negative feedback as well. Not going to lie. But... um, (laughs) Uh, let's go to the phones. I see a familiar number here on my screen. Sir, welcome back to the Red Glare Podcast. Well, hello. How is David Mills treating you these days, Daniel? <laughs> Not great. You know, the Texans are 0-2-1, as you know. Um, sir, before we go any further, what's your name? My name is Willie. And you, it's funny you mention 0-2-1 because I couldn't help but think about a quarterback who's never been 0-2-1 at any level in his entire career, and that, of course, is Vince Young. But beyond Vince Young, Daniel, because we all know that I'm going to bring up Vince Young because it's obvious, and I'm just stating the obvious, we would be a much better team with Vince Young. Everyone knows that. Everyone listening to this knows that. But there's a holy trinity. It goes beyond Vince Young. Vince Young is one leg of the holy trinity of winners of guys that are available to any NFL team that would want them. Now, let me let me stop you there. Now, you say there's a, a holy trinity of winners. That's right. Um, I, I, I got to know. I got to know before you go on. Who are these? Who is the holy trinity here that you're referring to? Well, Vince Young, of course, as we've stated. Then the wonderkind himself, Johnny Manziel, who's out running around right now winning games for somebody, but he's not doing it in the NFL, I'll tell you that. And thirdly, and perhaps the most appropriate member of the Holy Trinity, is of course Mr. Tim Tebow. Now Tebow, okay, I feel like Tebow had a good shot. I mean, he got 
he got not just one. I mean, he recently signed with the. I mean, the Patriots gave him a chance. Bill Belichick gave him a chance at at, at fullback at tight end. If if I re, if I remember correctly, he just couldn't make the team. Now, you think you can see talent where Bill Belichick can't? Listen, Daniel. The reason Tim Tebow is not on the Patriots right now, leading them to the playoffs, leading them to more Super Bowls, cementing Bill Belichick's legacy as the greatest coach that ever coached at any level, is because Bill Belichick is a heathen. He's an atheist. He doesn't want Tim Tebow on the team. He's disgusted by him. Now, why would he have even brought him into training camp if he was disgusted by him? Don't ask me to explain an atheist to you, Daniel. I can't even begin. I can't even begin to get into that mindset. Fair enough. And Okay, so the Texans do still employ Vice President of Football Operations Jack Easterby, who is a man of faith by all accounts. Wouldn't the Texans give Tim Tebow a chance if... It was really the heathen, atheist aspect of NFL front offices that were keeping him off the field? Now, maybe it's noted atheist Nick Casario and his influence, you know, preventing Jack from from bringing in Tebow and and taking over for David Mills. But you'd have to ask Easterby about that. I mean, I, I can't speak for him. Well, I, I'm not sure Nick Casario's religious views are, have ever been noted by anyone. But, I mean, how, how on earth would I get in touch with Jackie's? Wait a minute, we're, we're getting another call here coming in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go, go back to the phones here. Hello? Hello, Daniel. I couldn't help but see you had opened up the phones, and I just wanted to give you a call. Well, thank you for calling in, sir. And, and what was your name? My name is ja- Joshua. Well, thank you, Joshua, for calling in. Um. I just wanted to, what, what's your take on this Jack Easterby angle? Um, Willie uh, seems to believe that uh, there's, there's sort of a, a satanic, or maybe not satanic, I don't want to put words in your mouth, uh, Willie. Please don't put anything in my mouth. R- right, right, fair enough. So, so there's some sort of um, perhaps religious discrimination that's keeping Tim Tebow off the Texans. Joshua, do you have, do you have a take on that? Oh, I can't imagine. Noted atheist and heathen Nick Casario, uh, likely Satan worshiper Nick Casario, would uh, turn down the option to bring in Tim Tebow, even if uh, you know uh, a, a valued and respected scout suggested it on a Sunday, and then again on a Wednesday afternoon, and then again on a Saturday morning. I can't imagine Nick Casario, noted heathen, would turn down that advice or ignore it, but. You know, stranger things have happened, Daniel. Stranger things. Well, I can't argue with that. Thank you for calling in, Joshua. Willie, do you have anything before we before we head out here today? Well, it, Vince Young is sitting on his couch, Daniel, and, and David Mills is 0-2-1. And I would like to explain it by rational means, but you start to think, your mind starts to wander. You know, it's like... Is this something to do with Satan worship and animal and potentially human sacrifices that are keeping Vince Young off the field? It's the only logical explanation that I can come up with. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. And, you know, after, I'll hang up and listen. Well, I don't have a ton of thoughts on that particular angle of the Texans roster construction. 
but I do appreciate the call, and it is certainly thought-provoking. Thank you, Joshua, for calling. All right, so if you've listened to the show before or listened to uh, any of our caller segments, you know that we have a caller who's on the line right now named Joshua who seems particularly plugged in. He always has Jack Easterby's back. And uh, I wanted to get his take on the proceedings today. So, Joshua, thank you for joining us. How are you doing on this Monday, sir? Well, Daniel, I've been better, you know, but they say uh, it's always darkest before the dawn. That's what they say. I've heard that. People say that. Indeed they do. How do you explain this move by Cal McNair and the Texans today? Because on your previous appearances, you you seem to think that Jack was doing a great job in his role with the team. It's shocking, Daniel. I don't know how to explain it. I've been racking my brain. Been racking my brain all day. I don't know. I don't know how you explain such a thing. We just beat our hated rivals the Jacksonville Jaguars. Beat the hell out of them. I told Cal. I mean, I imagine people told Cal this. I don't understand it. I don't get it. You sound pretty upset. You sound pretty upset by the whole thing. Well, Jack did so much to get in that role, Daniel. I don't think you understand what he had to do to Rick Smith, to Brian Gain. I mean, he poisoned people. He put curses on people. He... He went into the swamps and the marshes. He found the voodoo priestesses. He did the animal sacrifices. He drank the blood, Daniel. He deserved that job. He earned it. He earned it. Well, okay. So he earned the spot. But but the results, you have to play the results, Joshua. Even, I'm not going to dispute you know, what Jack may or may not have done to get into that role, but we were not a good football team, and a lot of the decisions he made um, didn't didn't yield results on the field. Do you dispute that? I think there are decisions Jack would like to have back, uh, no doubt. You, you mentioned, I guess, football-related decisions, but I would I would you know think more about like uh, ceremonies in which he was. Splayed out naked in a, in a pentagram, covered in pig's blood, reciting, uh, speaking in tongues, um, uh, surrounded by voodoo priestesses. Uh, those are the kinds of decisions I think Jack is spending more time with, uh, second guessing on a day like today. Um, I believe I see Willie has called in. Willie, are you there? Uh, yes, Daniel, I am here. I am here. What do you think about David Mills today? I'm just curious. Uh, nothing good. Nothing good, Willie. Uh, Davis Mills has had a very poor season by to my eye thus far. He showed some, some flashes late last season, and I was optimistic coming into this year that he could prove to be serviceable or even better, prove to be our quarterback of the future, and he has not done that, and it and and quite the opposite. He has shown himself to be really overmatched out there, which is unfortunate because I was rooting for him and still am rooting for him. But uh, a performance like today does not inspire confidence that he will ever be uh, a starting level quarterback in this league. You could say that again, Daniel. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to you now, Daniel, for a couple months, and that is maybe the first thing you've ever said that. Uh that we agree on. But of course, I told you months ago, David Mills is not a winner. 
and uh, he just keeps proving me right week after week after week. And uh, I'm glad to see you coming along, coming around on uh, where Willie's been all along. So, what is your what is your answer then, Willie? What would you like to see the team do uh, as we move forward at the quarterback position? Well, first you give David Mills his walking papers, and you say, "I don't even care where you go, David. You just get the hell out of this locker room right now." And then you you wait a minute, and you look around, and you say, "Is he gone? Is he gone?" You got you to gotta make sure he's gone, Daniel, because his losing ways are bleeding through. They're, they're bleeding into the special teams, into the defense. Pep Hamilton, he's, he's aged Pep Hamilton 25 years just this season. So we got to get rid of David Mills. That's, uh, uh, you know, number one, number one priority. And then you look at uh, who's available in the draft, and you say, uh, I you call dibs on that Alabama quarterback. When you say call dibs, you mean draft him. Hope that you get the first overall pick. You know, if your record's bad enough right now, Detroit has a worse record than we do. But you're saying go ahead and use that first first pick that the that the Texans have on Bryce Young. Well, I did mean I would call dibs on him, and I'm I'm referring to him now as Christ Young because he will be our savior. He is going to save us from David Mills and the rest of this Texans offense. But no, I did mean call dibs on him. If I was Nick Casario, I would call a press conference, and I would say, uh, just want to make it known that uh, we call dibs on uh, uh, Christio. Okay, I guess it's just a little unclear to me what dibs would accomplish, given that Detroit could still just draft him with the first overall pick. Well, in that unlikely scenario, Daniel, that Detroit would just ignore our dibs, I would just take C.J. Stroud. Do you know uh, what C.J. stands for? I actually don't know. Uh, what What does C.J. stand for? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus Stroud. You see, Daniel, he's going to be our savior. He's going to save us from David Mills. Okay, okay. I'm sensing a pattern here. Do you have uh, any thoughts on, like, uh, Anthony Richardson from Florida? I was hoping you'd ask me about Anthony Richardson, son of God, who's going to save us from David Mills. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, Daniel. That that one's a little bit of a stretch. I'll I'll give you that one. Okay. Well, with the Texans losing the way they did today, Willie, it it really does brighten my day. It makes me feel a lot better talking to you to know that uh, there is hope on the horizon. All right, there you have it. The caller segments that we've done thus far on the Red Blair Pod. I hope this podcast finds you well. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy this show, please share it with them. And you can find me at redglarepod.com or on Twitter at redglarepod. As always, I appreciate you listening. I hope you're doing well. Let's have a good week out there. Let's ride this Astros high as long as we possibly can. And uh, we will talk soon. Take care. Adios. Okay, this is not Tom. This is Bowling. There are rules. Bowling, there are rules. Bowling, there are rules. Okay, this is not Tom. This is Bowling. There are